What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts, welcome to episode 57 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today we're gonna go ahead and cover Chicago Med, season 3, episode 16, entitled An Inconvenient Truth. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. And we're on a bit of a strict deadline here because we have an hour and 10 minutes until PD. So (laughs) (laughs) we're going to jump right on in. Now, thankfully, we don't have a ton of news as we have in the past. But guys, the news we do have is like pretty substantial. It's juicy. We got all three episode descriptions for the season finale. Not med, though. I thought we did get med. We got med, but it's not med's finale. Because med is, med has, it. yeah, it's not med's finale. Okay, well, we still got finale descriptions for PD and Fire, and we did indeed get three descriptions. Why is that, Bryna? Because Fire is a two-hour finale for, yeah. Uh, This makes me simultaneously really excited, but also I'm kind of like, really, again? I can't go through this again. Did they do two hour last year? No, but we just did two hours. Yeah, that's what I couldn't remember. I thought I didn't think they did, but I was like, yeah, we just did two hours. And now I'm like, oh, shit, we're doing two hours again. We're doing two hours again. Um, What we're not dreading, though, is our coverage for finale week. You guys. Oh, my God. I wish that we could let you in on what we've got cooking, but we can't. But it's going to be good. It's yeah. It's going to be good. And we are so excited. Now's the time you, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe, you know, follow us on Twitter and the whole shebang because when these drop, you're not going to want to miss it. No, you were, no, you were definitely not going to want to miss it. So hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button. You definitely want to keep up with us, especially as we near these last couple weeks of the seasons. So first episode description we got. This is Chicago Med Season 3, Episode 19. Um, I would like to say that it's entitled Not the Finale, but it's called Crisis of Confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Bryna, take us through it here. Yeah, so this is airing May 8th. Um, So the description is Dr. Manning rushes to save a young boy who has a life-threatening case of the flu. Very current. After discovering that an that op- opioid painkillers were stolen during last week's mass, ca- mass casualty. April believes Dr. Choi's sister took them. Dr. Rhodes and Dr. Becker disagree over the best treatment for a cardiac patient who is 21 weeks pregnant. Do you remember whether we got a description for 318? Yeah, we talked about it last week. So this mass casualty is just going to be something that like happened elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, dear, it's the one that happens in the picnic at the block party. Oh, I'm so glad that you were not traveling this weekend and <laughs> your brain is all clear and remembers these things. Yeah, it's that one we talked about, well, in Tuesday's episode that we dropped in 56 about the block party. That's Got 318. It. Cool. And Med has 20 episodes, so since this is the one right after that in 319, it's not the finale yet. So, okay, so... In theory, May 15th will be the finale. Yeah, Med's, fi- Med's finale is, in theory, the 15th. Interesting. Okay, so another one we got. We got oh, the Chicago Fire. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not emotionally prepared. Or should we talk about PD first? Mm, neither one is that great, so. Okay, so we'll go in order just because this is in the order of the air. So we're going to cover it. So Chicago PD, season five, episode 22. This is called Homecoming, and this is the season finale. Okay, make sure you're sitting down because this is crazy. So season finale, tensions run high as intelligence seeks justice for Alinsky after he stabbed in prison. (laughs) Yeah, I know. What? Keep going, keep going. Antonio's loyalty is put to the test and Woods looks to take down Voight once and for all. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) I, I know, I know. 
I, I, I don't even – I was responding to an email today that someone had sent us about this description and about the finale, and she was like, well, what are your guys' thoughts? And I was like, honestly – I, Caitlin, because that's who sent the email. Caitlin, I still don't have thoughts. And this is like eight hours after I sent you that email. I still don't have thoughts. Uh, my only thought is shit's going to be insane. Yeah. I'd like, so Alinsky ends up in prison. Okay. Antonio, I, I, I don't know. Gina. <laughs> no, I know. I don't know. And like, uh, not only does Anto- Olinsky end up in prison, that, okay, so this implies that he's in prison before the finale even happens. And then he gets stabbed in prison. Who's going to stab him in prison? Oh, it's probably somebody he's arrested before. Oh, probably for sure. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like if he, he ends up in prison, is that, is that like a surefire thing that they're trying to write him out? Or like, is he going to somehow magically not be in prison after the finale? Like, I don't know. I I don't know. I really don't know. Or maybe this is going to be like in One Tree Hill, how Dan murdered Keith and only served five years in prison. <laughs> like, Alinsky's going to be an accomplice to murder and only serve like a week. <laughs> Let's hope not. I know, I know. But yeah, and Antonio's loyalty is put to the test. Of all times to test his loyalty, it's going to be tested in the finale. Right. Like, we haven't talked about Antonio's loyalty in like 15 episodes. And now we're talking about it crazy I, and i wonder i mean because you know woods is gonna come after Voight, but you know Voight's gonna pull a switcheroo so i wonder what's gonna happen if Voight's gonna find dirt on him or if Voight's just straight up gonna kill him right well and i would assume ruzik is a part of this like ruzik still technically owes woods the favor i mean you know whatever favor oh my god my. so you know he's woods is gonna be like hey ruzik this is where i'm cashing in like i'm not ready for this I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for, well, tonight. I mean, tonight being Wednesday when we're recording and this is coming out on Thursday. So this this week's episode. And then we have one more in between. Like, shit's about to go down and shit's about to go down hard. So hard. Oh, my God. So <laughs> we also got the episode descriptions for not one, but two episodes of Chicago Fire. Because as Brian has said, it's a two-hour finale. Because... NBC likes to see us suffer. (laughs) So the first hour is called One for the Ages, and the second hour is called The Grand Gesture. Brenna, would you like to take us through these? Yeah. So the first hour, um, Bowden takes a big step in pursuit of a major career decision. Kid becomes increasingly distrustful of Renee's motives with Severide. And Herman has trouble bouncing back after a tragedy. After a tragedy? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Oh this is, Let's hell? go to the second hour. <laughs> the second hour. Bowden's chances for a promotion are met with potential complications, leading him to take matters into his own hands. Dawson and Casey don't see eye to eye on an important decision, while Kid finds herself struggling to find time with Severide. And Brett and Dawson respond to a tough call that quickly turns dangerous. Oh, my God. So I want to say that Monica and Jesse were spotted filming the other day at an adoption agency. Wait, um, what? You're just yeah, now I, dropping I, on this on me, this on me? What? I saw it this afternoon. I saw it this afternoon. Um, so, I mean, that was just speculation and theories and stuff. So, I mean, it's quite clear that them not seeing eye to eye is going to be the baby situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... So not surprised only- about distrustful Renee kid being distrustful. Oh, no, not not at surprised. All. I hear that and I'm like, yawn, like give her a DVD of season one and sit her down. It's no surprise. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. so if only if could you imagine a world where Shay and Stella occupied the same space? They would be badass together. Oh, my God. It'd be so great. It would be so great. I need that AU fan fiction where they're like besties and just like cause all sorts of trouble. I'm sure that exists somewhere. I know, right? But what is this Herman tragedy? I don't what the know. Hell? And it's I feel like that make it feel like so there's the Herman tragedy. And then in the second hour with Brett and Dawson then the tough call that quickly turns dangerous. Like I feel like that's gotta be the cliffhanger or something related to the cliffhanger. I do not want another season finale that ends with Monica Raymond crying into the camera. Although this would probably be Jesse Spencer crying into the camera. I don't want it. <laughs> I'm just I saying. don't want anybody crying into the camera. I'm just saying. 
The only cliffhanger that I have found acceptable so far was the recent one when Casey and Zeveride jumped off the roof with the fireball behind them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because I was was like, well, that looks fun. Yeah. And we also knew it was like the middle of the season. We knew nothing was happening. (laughs) We did. Some other people thought that Zeveride was going to (laughs) die. Oh, Facebook. (laughs) So, yeah, that's about all the news we've got. But, I mean, it's a heavy dose. And, again, I know we said it earlier, but we're going to say it again. We're planning our our, our finale coverage now, and it's going to be just, you guys, just stay tuned. We are so excited. We have so, yeah. Yeah. We're so excited. So, yeah, though that's those are your episode <laughs> descriptions for the finales. I'm like, holy shit. Well, the finales, except for men. Yeah. No, I still just have the same reaction of when they, like, ended up in the group text. Like, Ashley texted them, and I was like, literally, I just sent, like, 20, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Just, like, over. I, like, still don't know how to handle this. You did. We, like, that, that message broke you. Like, I kind of wanted to get a screenshot because my whole screen was just OMG all the way down. I was like, Brenna's broken. Somebody needs to, like, reset her. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> that was definitely me. I was just like, I don't even know what's happening. And I feel like that was just, yeah. That was just me yesterday. And, yeah, yesterday was I feel day. like that's us any given moment in this fandom it's just like straight omg holy shit what's happening there was just a lot of yelling personally for me yesterday because i yelled a lot at the wizards game and it was just a lot of yelling yesterday yesterday being tuesday did they really give up a 40 point lead no they did not have a 40 point lead they gave up 40 points in the quarter the raptors scored 40 points on them in the first quarter jeez it's bad it was a lot of yelling last night i was just glad my roommate wasn't home fun i i gina i finished a bottle of wine not a whole bottle but like i finished off a bottle i was like i can't do this without wine see it's times like these i really wish dc was closer to me Uh uh-huh yeah Yeah. that and that um uh royal Royal wedding Wedding pop-up bar that's coming i really wish you and ashley were here for that you guys, the day you're listening to this Thursday marks one month until the royal wedding and Holy the three shit. of us. Yeah. Yeah. The three of us are so excited. It's kind of like not alarming, but we're really excited. Holy shit. Yeah. And they just announced that they're doing a pop-up bar here in DC for the royal wedding for like the two weeks around it. And I'm pumped. I'm definitely going. You better FaceTime me when you're there. Oh, I will. I'm I'm going. I'm spending $13 on one of those ridiculous cocktails like – I was looking at the menu because they like had the website or the article or whatever. And they're all really cutely named. And there's like one when Harry met Megan. And I'm just like, stop. Like That's so cute. Oh, my God. They're all cutely named. I'm just like. You should look on Pinterest and make yourself one of those big hats. Like, you can't see me on Skype. But, of course, I'm like, you know the hats. Oh, my God. I should. Yeah, you totally should. Oh, my God. If anybody has any ideas, I think they're called fascinators. If anybody has any ideas for a fascinator that Bryna should make herself and wear. Let us know. I need to convince my friends to go with me to this. This is why I, I wish you and Ashley lived here or close enough to drive there in a heartbeat. here. Yeah, I would be there in a heartbeat. I know. This, wow. You got to FaceTime me. I'll FaceTime with you. I can't just physically be there, though. I know. We figure you out how to like you can't hologram just, me in. You can't just fly here for this. As much as I wish you could, you can't. If I hadn't done it recently, you, I'd be more willing. I'll put it that no, way. No, I know. If you hadn't just had, like, three weeks to travel, plus LA, plus Austin. Like, you can't do it. I know you can't, but, like. No. I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't intend on leaving my state for a good long time after this next trip. And then I'm, like, I'm staying in state for, like, the rest of yeah, the year. Yeah, you're lucky Austin's <laughs> in your state. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. So, Let's jump into the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Us gushing about the royal wedding. There will be plenty of that in the weeks to come. <laughs> Just, you know. So let's start off, as we always do, with good old Connor and Ava. Mm. We always start off with them for some reason. But I am frustrated by their relationship after this episode because you never know what Connor and Ava you're going to get. Are they getting along this week? Do they fucking hate each other this week? Are they just straight up fucking this week? Like, right. What is happening? I don't know. That's a really good point. I think the thing that frustrates me the most is that they're trying to prove that they're the better person to each other by doing things they shouldn't do. Like, whether it's Ava sticking up for Connor or vice versa. And this week it was Connor sticking up for Ava and, you know, taking the blame when it was clearly Ava's fault. And she was like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm trying to be, it's like, I'm trying to be the bigger person and I'm trying to show you that I'm worth this. And I'm like, dude, 
let her take the fall. You should have taken the fall last week. Like, just shut up. So they're basically trying to out Manstead Manstead. Kind of. Without ever having been in a technical relationship. I just, I don't even know anymore. Like, I, I don't know. So we learn in the opening scenes, apparently the conjoined twins are still conjoined. I thought they'd been separated last week, but okay. Yeah, me too. I, yeah. And like, still aren't separate. I mean, spoiler alert, still aren't separated at the end of this episode either. (laughs) So they're having a little banter going down the hall and like, it's like playful banter. So I guess, you know, they're, they're in good moods today. I don't even know. Uh, And there's a point where Ava does say one thing that I thought was really good. Uh, She says something about like hoping Connor's successful and Connor's like, oh, so now you're rooting for my success. And she's like, absolutely not. I just hate winning by default. Like, yeah, Ava, get it, girl. I thought that was good. But then their pagers go off. And so they have this patient. He's like mid 30s. He was in a car accident and something with his lung, I think, or something. Yeah, it's something in his chest. Something in his chest, basically. And so Connor recommends one method of surgery. Ava recommends another. And Becker's like, or not Becker, Latham is like, hey, good eye, Dr. Becker. That's good. And then Connor, of course, has something to say about it because how dare somebody outsmart Connor? Um, But he backs down. He's like, all right, if that's what the majority wants, like, that's what we'll do. That's a good idea. And so Dr. Latham says, okay, Ava's going to lead. Connor's going to assist. Cool. No big deal. So they get in surgery. They're handling everything. And as they're closing up, the one of the nurses turns to Ava and says, wait a second, we've got 244 instruments. We started with 245. First of all, 245 instruments? That is normal? I don't know. That sounds, that number sounds a little off, but also the fact that they count them. That's weird. They counted them three times in that operation. That's weird. I, I mean, I don't I, I don't think that's as weird as the fact that they have 245 instruments. I mean, I guess it depends on the kind of procedure. And, you know, there's literally, you know, something that I would consider like one, you know, one blade is like it's like kind of like those, you know, like screwdrivers where they come in the sets. And then there's like the tiniest little baby version and then the big like. like really like big one that like nobody would ever need but like they exist because it's a set of like different sizes like that's kind of how (laughs) I imagine every single kind of blade being so it doesn't surprise me that there's like a lot of them I mean it surprises me that there's 245 but like yeah that's kind of how I picture it they're also laying in a giant pile like that can't be organized that can't be efficient Right. They're, like, laying out on the tray just in, like, an array. I'm like, how do you find what you need? Well, that's how they always are, I feel like, in medical shows. Like, they're just laying out on that tray. But then that's kind of what I figured. I figured there was an assortment, but, like, I've never figured that it was past what was on the tray. Like, there was definitely not 245 things on that tray. There was, like, 20. I'm baffled by so many things in this case. Uh, Yeah, so nobody can find the instrument. Connor and Ava are like, well, shit. And so they talk to Latham, and Latham actually, like, lays down the law. We've never seen Latham kind of be the disciplinary one. And so Latham's like, how the hell did this happen? How did this get missed between the two of you? This is completely unacceptable. And, you know, he's like, go ahead and finish this up, but then come talk to me in my office. So Latham leaves and Connor says the one thing that he probably should never have said. And he's like, well, we're lucky that this is an easy fix. Damn it, Connor. Yeah. Damn it. You done goofed. Yeah, done goofed. So they get back in there. They don't even know where this instrument is. They know it's somewhere in his chest. But I I guess they can't tell in the scan, like, specifically where it is. So they realize that it's a suction cap, I think. And Ava's so quick to be like, oh, you were in charge of suction. It's yours. But then one of the nurses pipes up and she's like, "Mm, actually, Dr. Becker, I handed you one at one point and you handled the suction in this area. So it's yours. She flat out just basically is like, "Mm, actually, Ava, you're wrong. Mic drop. So many people on Twitter love that, too. They were like, yeah, like whoever this nurse is, like you go, girl. Like they loved it. Twitter was loving that. 
Huh. I've softened up a little bit towards Ava. I don't find her as bad as I once I don't did. think it was – I don't think it was definitely – I don't think it was, like, an against Ava thing. I think it was just, like, a somebody's got to set these two right and, like, they can't keep playing the blame game and, like – if it's got to be a random nurse, like, it's going to be a random nurse. I don't think it was necessarily against Ava. Because yeah. I agree. I definitely have softened up against Ava. I'm just more annoyed with both of them at this point. Like, You know what I was surprised by, and I probably shouldn't be surprised by this, was, like, the sense of urgency and the oh shit of, like, the whole situation when they realized that the instrument was still inside of them. Because, like, they're, I guess, maybe it's because they're usually so cool under pressure that to see them be like, oh, fuck, was a little, like surprising right when I think I saw a lot of people on Twitter freaking out because I think part of the the appeal or like the intrigue of the storyline is that like that can happen like that could easily happen like you know things ending up in the body like that accidentally slipped like especially if it's something as small as like a suction cap or something like that's something that can happen and like I saw people were joking on Twitter they're like yeah like I think I'm gonna go have this checked again like make sure nothing accidentally ended up in like you know, my leg when I was having to, you know, just like, I mean, I think that's kind of the intrigue of that storyline. Is that like, it could happen. I mean, I don't think I did see that you tweeted. You were like, yeah, that's one of my biggest fears. No, I think that would be one of my biggest fears as a doctor. It's not one of my biggest fears as a patient. Just, and I think that's just because I spent a lot of time in, um, like around medical stuff. I don't think I could be a doctor. I have like, there's that, there's the whole anxiety of that. Plus, yeah, no. I could never be a doctor. I don't care. Like, I can go into a doctor's office and, like, they could poke and prod me and I wouldn't care. Like, I could give two fucks about what they do. I've started to get a little woozy around blood. I've always I've always been, like, bad with – not always, but since I was a teenager, I was bad with needles. But now I'm getting older and, like, my father had surgery – almost two weeks ago now and like when they were taking blood I was just kind of like oh like I felt uneasy I was like really I'm wimping out now like that's not good yeah no I'm good so but yeah I think there's just like a real like holy shit this could happen not only just a holy shit like for Ava and Connor but a holy shit for the audience like this could actually happen this could actually happen yeah so yeah so it's Ava's instrument they get it out and Ava's just like you know what, Connor, go ahead and close. And Connor's like, well, wait a second. You've got to make the call here. And she's like, nope, just do it the way you've always done it. And just pieces out. And so Connor storms in and Connor's about to like unleash on her. But she's like freaking out. She knows it's her instrument. So she's like, she's really upset. And, you know, she's crying. And Connor's like, you know, this has nothing to do with your reputation. It's not going to tarnish that. And Ava said something really good here that I'm glad she said. She's like, you think I care about that? She's like, I care about the fact that this patient almost died. Right. And so I, I like that she said that because, you know, sometimes it gets, I don't know, I guess they get so wrapped up in the, like the mechanics and the logistics of the, how the hospital works that, you know, you forget that the patient should be the number one. Well, and they get so wrapped up in specifically Ava and Connor, they get so wrapped up in beating one another and mm-hmm. like having this showdown of whatever the fuck they are doing. I don't even know anymore. Yeah, so she's really upset. And so Connor eventually just ends up like, you know, Connor calms down pretty quickly and he just consoles her and he gives her a hug at one point. And I was just like watching that and I was like, oh man, he must give really good hugs. Yeah. Like, you just know. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, and so that happens. So then in Latham's office later on, they have a total like Grey's Anatomy who cut the LVAD wire moment. Oh my God. Yeah, he was like, I did it. And Connor's like, no, I did it. Whatever. So Latham is like, well, now I don't know who's going to be my second on the conjoined twin surgery. So bye. And Connor and Aver walking out. They have a little bit more banter. And Connor's just like, yeah, there's room for two in the doghouse. So that's that. Yeah. We're in a relatively good mood this week. Yeah. I don't know. It's just I weird. Hate when they do. It is. It's totally weird. And I hate when they do that thing where they they make the promo look like it's going to focus on one thing and be one way. And then the episode is completely the opposite. Right. Yeah. I I have a problem with NBC's promos. That it's not a lie for any show because I think NBC does a horrible job at them. Um, it's because it's because somebody else cuts the promos it's not somebody who like works for the show no but I know but the thing is too is like they're always like you said they're always this 
they focus on one point of the episode, which is like not even really the biggest point. And like somebody was pointing out again, I I know I've referenced timeless a lot in the last couple weeks, but that's because it's <laughs> what my newest obsession is. But the thing is, so I've seen promos for Timeless where NBC does them one way and they're still not, I mean, they're fine, but they're not that great. But then whatever network they air on in Canada, I don't remember what it's called. Global, I think is it in the NBC version of in Canada. Global mm-hmm. airs different promos and there's so much more to the point and actually show things that happen in the episode. Like, it's kind of huh. crazy. And I don't know if that's like a why that is and like why they don't use the same promos. And I guess it's because it's not actually NBC in Canada, but like. I'd kind of be curious to see like a fire or a med or a PD promo in from Canada or from somewhere else um, and just see what it's like. Oh, I know we have Canadian listeners. Hook us up, guys. Oh, Perry. Hello, Perry. Perry, we have a couple Jessicas in Canada. We have, yeah. yeah, we have a lot of, if somebody lot of Canadian listeners. happens to grab, I mean, it doesn't have to be the best quality. Like that's, I don't care. I'm not going to post it anywhere. I'd just be really curious to see if they are as different as the ones that air here in America. Cause like they, I know they are for timeless. Yeah. Cause like you said, they are, it is annoying when you see a promo and then you're like, well, wait a second. That was like two minutes of tonight's episode. Or like you said, they're spinned in a different way that like tries to hype up the episode when that's not actually the point of the episode. Or the point Fire of that storyline. for that. Like, when Fire does a promo that involves a call, I fall for it every damn time. Right. And I'm like, ooh, this is going to surround a call. And really, it's like two seconds of an episode. Well, even, like, the one that was, like, two weeks ago that was, like, the Gabby and Jake stuff at um, Molly's. Like, that was, like, one scene. Yeah. That was, like, really nothing in the end. But it was the whole promo. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know. So um, next we're going to talk about Goodwin's godson and Will because Will had something going on. Nat had something going on. And there was also Manstead stuff. So we're going to group the Manstead stuff with Natalie. But we're going to talk about the case with Goodwin's godson first, which is also a tongue twister. Goodwin's godson. godson. Yeah. Glad I'm not drinking tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, you want to take us through it or you want me to? No, I can. Um, so it starts with a scene and Will is in the locker room at the ED and he's looking pretty miserable. He's looking (laughs) not himself. And Connor comes in and Connor's all like grinny and whatever. And Connor is like, well, what time did you make it home from Molly's last night? And Will's like, he has to like admit he's like, so he's like hanging his head. He doesn't want to admit this. He's like, I didn't. (laughs) Can we just take a second to like absorb this? Will did the walk of shame, but he didn't do the walk of shame back to wherever he's living. He did the walk of shame to med. Is that not the saddest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> I know. It's really sad. I think he can get away with it just because, you know, their scrubs are, they have like extra pair of scrubs in, you know, at the hospital or whatever. So it's not like he has to go home and change into like a suit and tie. But like, yeah, it's really sad. It's so sad. It's like, well, you little puppy dog, like... Oh, I don't, yeah, I just, I thought that was so cute. Yeah, it's real. it's, yeah. But it also, like, the first, it's literally, like, the first, not even minute, like, first 30 seconds of the episode. So, literally, as soon as he happens, I was like, wait, Will actually slept with Frisch? I was like, wait, no. Will? No. Yeah, that was my thought, too. I was like, really, Will? All right. Okay. I was like, no. But anyway. So then Connor leaves and Will and Nat have this like quick little glance at each other and then he and Joy get put on a case. And so this case actually involves Goodwin's godson. That is a tongue twister. Goodwin's is godson, it? Carter. And so Carter and his friend Bo get come in and they've both suffered burns following a house fire. And so because it's a house fire, obviously they need to know. And it wasn't clearly something that was like a cooking fire. Um, they send PD because they need to figure out just kind of what happened. So then we get to see Jay. Hey. Hey, Jay. Um, and so he comes and talks to Carter, and he finds out that Bo was cooking butane hash oil, which essentially converts marijuana to pure THC. So not good. Not something you can do in your house. Not something you should do whatever because it's illegal. Not something you can do legally. Yeah, it's illegal. Um, so then, yeah, so Jay's dealing with that, and Jay's kind of in the background, and Will's standing at the desk, and Dr. Frisch is also over at the desk, and she says hello to Will. And... He's like, hi, Dr. Frisch. And she's like, I think after last night, you can call me Maya. And Jay's <laughs> face, it's like the gif. I mean, Colin tweeted the gif of Jay when he, when 
Burgess's sister comes and is talking to Ruzik, and Jay has that, like, the most memorable gif face ever. It's literally that same face in this scene. I wish the camera had focused on Jay in that moment. Right, like, I wish they had switched the focus, because it was so good. Um, Dusty killed that. Um, But, yeah. And so that ends and Frisch leaves and then Jay comes over and Jay's like, I take it you and Natalie are still on the outs. Um, mm-hmm. And Will seems pissed about it. But basically Jay's only advice, the only thing Jay really says is careful. She'll come around. That's it. You know, what would have been more useful in that scene? Like I would have loved to have seen the reverse of the scene at the end of season what season did Aaron leave? End of season four. When Will says this girl doesn't want to be saved. Like, that was Jay's moment to be like, Natalie doesn't want to be bothered. Like, back it up. Ooh, but, that's an interesting parallel. Yeah. That that was Jay's moment. But all we got was, careful, she'll come around. But I what? think, I mean, I think the thing is, though, I think Jay's trying not to be like Will in that moment. Like, I think he kind of wished Will was a little bit more supportive of what he was doing and the choices he was going to make. And I think Jay was trying not to do that to Will. Hmm. That's a good point. The other weird thing about this, so he's like, careful, she'll come around. This would be fine and dandy and wonderful advice if Jay didn't speak from experience. And not just, like, dating experience. From experience with Nat. I know. And, like, you texted me that as soon as I tweeted it. And I was like, Gina, I literally just tweeted the same, or something similar. Not the exact same words, but, like, something very similar. I was like, come on, Gina. But, like, it's true. Like, I was like, that's it? Like, that's the advice? That's the hyped-up article worth advice that we got? Like. Why do we fall for it every time? I don't know. Every single time. I don't know. I don't know. Ugh. But we did. But it is kind of awkward. Like, I, we wanted a we wanted a brother scene so badly. And we wanted a scene where Jay was, like, trying to set Will straight. But now that we have it, I'm like, well, wait, this is awkward. Because Jay and Nat had their thing. Like. Yeah. That's true. Now that we got it, I'm like, eh, I don't think I want this anymore. I think I just wanted it so much because rarely, I mean, the only other chance we get it, we haven't seen it that much because every time Antonio comes onto PD or onto fire, it's been about Bartonio, which I'm totally okay with. But like, so we're not getting the sibling relationship elsewhere. And so I really want it mm-hmm. with Halstead Brothers, especially because, you know, everyone said, you know, Med is such the more relationship focused show. So like, that's the time to do it. And like, we just haven't gotten it this season. Hmm. So it's kind of frustrating, but. Yeah, if it were any other girl, I think I'd be okay with it. But I can't, I'm like scarred after Jay and Nat had their like flirtation Blackhawks game, whatever. But I think the thing is, it's not even, I'm not even scarred from, I mean, I am a little scarred from that. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't even think it's that. Like, I think if we had seen a different scene that wasn't relationship based at all, that was like, or if it was relationship based on like, Jill de- Jay dealing with Camilla or like Jay when he was going through all his shit earlier in season one like we had seen a scene that had nothing to do with it then like when it came to this scene I wouldn't be as put off by it because it's not pretty much the only scene we've gotten but because it is the only scene we've gotten I'm like this is awkward I can't stop thinking about Jay and Nat yeah I think that's also our fault that we can't stop yes. thinking about Jay and Nat because we asked Jeff about it and then Jeff told us and then I can't un see hear what I can't not think about it and it was also my first question in the man's dead meet and greet yeah like I think we, we kind of brought it on ourselves I know but like it's such a it's the great I mean and I'm glad we asked it and I think now like I'm glad we knew that and like mm-hmm. I'm glad we know but like still like we brought it on ourselves we we are the ones who brought Jay and Nat onto this fandom <sighs> it's so bad I just I, I I had something I was going to say, and now I don't remember it. I don't even know. Anyway. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yes. This is when it comes in handy to develop the Halstead and Rhodes bromance. Yeah. Like, yeah. if he's not, yeah, not going to talk to Jay, let him talk to Rhodes. Right, exactly. And I think that's the other thing, too, is, like, if we could have Halstead or Will talk to Rhodes about the romance stuff, then, like, we can focus on – Jay and Will's brother moments being like about everything else in life. And not that awkward moment where Jay flirted with Nat and took her to a Blackhawks game. I don't know. My version of that Blackhawks game in the white space, like. <laughs> I don't even want to know. 
Yeah, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my, I can imagine what you're thinking and it's not pretty well no it's a whole it's a whole bunch of just like blank space it's like it's like the blackhawks game and then like, i mean it could go anyway really like i know what really you're just... thinking though no i'm not really thinking anything i'm just thinking like it could go either way uh, yeah either way not pretty um, <laughs> so anyway so while treating carter and you know both they're in like two separate spaces you know across the way carter like carter's be okay carter's gonna be okay Bo was dying, like, whatever. Like, literally dying. Literally dying. Bo dies. I mean, Bo dies pretty early on, and Carter has this moment, uh, and it's very emotional and very powerful. Um, mm-hmm. I forget the the guy who f- plays Carter. He follows us, and I was tweeting at him last night because he was doing a really good job, but I don't remember his name. I think Justin? his name is Justin something. Yeah, I, I, his last name escapes me at the moment. I didn't, I didn't realize that he follows us. That's cool. Yeah, he tweeted at us. He did? He tweeted something. Oh, when you tweeted, like, you tweeted him first, which is how I noticed it. Oh, and he replied? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, so Will notices these handprints on Carter's back that aren't consistent with his story. So he has Choi run a talk screen on Bo. And he does the same, and so it turns out Carter is the one who tested positive for THC, and Bo, not so much. Which means Carter's lying about his story. And so Will goes and relays this information to Goodwin, because you got to back up a little bit. So Goodwin is Carter's godmother. Goodwin is really good friends with Carter's parents, who are also donors or supporters, I don't remember what the term they used, of the hospital. So they're, like, very involved in the hospital and whatever. So Will has to go relay this information to Goodwin and basically be like, hey, Goodwin, I think Carter's lying. And, yeah. And so he's like, you know, I can have my brother Jay come back in and, you know, give a statement if he wants to change his mind. But, like, you know, I think I'm going to have to tell Jay. This is like okay, and I know we just like we just talked about the Halstead brothers and how I was like, eh, like I, I wished for it, but now I don't really want it. Like, okay, but when when you hear Will say something like my brother or like my brother Jay, isn't it kind of similar to any time Gabby refers to Matt as her husband? It just never gets old. Kind of, I think it's a little bit different with Matt and Gabby, but like it is. I mean, you know, it is very much the same. And I, think I don't it, know why it's so cute because like it's a straight up fact. It's just canon, but. No, but I think it has to do with, um, I think it just has to do with the fact that it's part of the reason why this, you know, like why we love this universe is because they cross over so easily. And so the fact that they constantly bring it up is really Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, so then Goodwin has to go and talk to, um, talk to Carter and she just starts spewing wisdom everywhere. She's like. You're going to carry this day with you for the rest of your life. And, you know, holding the secret on that, top of that, like, that's going to be too much. Like, it'll break you. And it's just one of the best scenes for sharing Goodwin in this entire series. It's so good. That is such a well-written piece of dialogue. Yeah, it really is. It's just, I wonder who is the writer was for, because last night's episode was really good. I wonder who the writer was. Yeah, I liked it. It was very, very good. Also, since I had to go to the Twitter page to look up that quote, the guy's name is Justin. Justin Davis. Oh, the guy who plays Carter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Hi, Justin. Thank you for listening. (laughs) If you are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah. But anyway, so the episode ends with Carter's mother, who is obviously clearly very pissed that Goodwin convinced Carter into talking to the PD um, because she, like, sees him speaking with Jay and... She's pissed, and you can tell that she's probably not going to be friends with Goodwin after this. Um, but Choi, like, it's like, you did the right thing, Sharon. Like, you did the right thing. But then Lawyer Man <laughs> disagrees because Goodwin's going to be in deep shit when the Singletons, which is Carter's last name, pull their funding from the hospital, and Goodwin's going to have to take the brunt of that. Uh, that. That's messed up. Like, that she's going to get shit for them pulling their funding when really she was just trying to do the right thing? Yeah. I mean, but I feel like that's been Sharon's thing all all season. season. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, season. Is that, you know, he's going to have, you know, she has to deal with, like, how to run a hospital and how to be 
a good hospital administrator without, you know, just being a good person and doing what's right and doing what's good for the patients. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So uh, that's, yeah. I, I thought it was a good storyline, though. It was really good. And just, yeah. Um, I like how we we know lawyer name lawyer man's name now, but we don't want to call him by his name. We just want to call him lawyer man. You know his name. I still don't know his name. I think it's Joey. You keep saying that. I never heard him called Joey. But now I know that he has a husband and his husband was Goodwin's divorce attorney. See, I'm learning about this character whose name I do not want to learn. Yes, I remember that. I don't remember the fact that anything else. I'm trying to think if there's anything else from that storyline worth noting. No, but... I think that's it. It was good. It was good. It was so. really good. I call. I like jokingly. I mean, we're gonna talk about this later. But I jokingly referred. I was like on Twitter. I was like, it should be the one. It should be renamed the one where everybody slays every scene because it's so. It was so good, and there was a lot so of good. good acting last night. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, meanwhile, across the ED on the other side, Natalie was doing Natalie things. So we shall talk about that. Oh, so Nat- oh I know. I know. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the all caps text I sent you after the episode, um, when we're done talking about this. So Natalie's patient is a young girl who comes in with abdominal pain on the left side. So Natalie does a scan or whatever. She's trying to see, you know, what's going on inside and she can't see her uterus and ovaries because there are none because this little girl has testicular torsion, AKA this is the most Natalie case to happen to Natalie ever. It really is, though. Yeah. Yeah. So she goes to Dr. Charles and they consult the pediatric urologist. And she basically explains that Emma has a condition with like a ton of letters and numbers. The condition is basically like binary code. It's just like numbers everywhere. And basically the layman's term for it is that this little girl, she's genetically male, but her testicles never dropped. So I guess sometime between something crucial, the final step of, like, her becoming a boy never happened. Yeah. Wow. So they explain it to the mom, and the mom's like, LOL what? Yeah. And it's kind of like the rest of us, but she's super insistent that this Emma is the little girl. She's like, you know, this is my little girl. And she's, like, super adamant about it. So the options are is that they could untwist the testicle or remove it. But the procedure is such that they need consent from the little girl in addition to consent from her. I've never heard of this. Like, I didn't even think that was a thing. If I remembered the name of the condition, I would type it in right now and Google it. That Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it's very rare. No, 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 no. I'm talking about getting consent from the girl in the addition girl. to the mom. No, no, no. I'm sure the case. Not about the the case itself i'm talking about just needing consent from a child in addition to the parent that is something i've never heard of i i I wonder if that's more of like a new thing in like this day and age you know especially with things like gender and things like that i wonder if that's like a new thing i don't know i'd be curious to know that though yeah but you're right though because i mean you know if if you come to this little child with like this big decision to make she's gonna get coerced either way well and that's what the whole i mean well, we can move on, but that's what happens. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So they explain the procedure to little Emma and they do it again in a, a very good way. Like they're very good at relaying information to children on this show. The only thing Natalie did right last night. <laughs> <laughs> but the mom will not shut up. She's like piping up every other word. She's like, you know, it's something only boys have and like blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to turn to this mom and be like, shut up. Yeah, seriously. It was like, bitch, shut the fuck up. I'm surprised Natalie, the way Natalie's been going off on people lately, I'm surprised she didn't just turn to her and say, shut it or like scream it, you know? Because she wasn't by herself. Oh, fuck. Good point. Well, I mean, that's never stopped her in front of Will, has it? Yeah, but Will's different. This is Dr. Charles. True. Yeah, and so, so Emma someone she hold on. This is someone she respects. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one with the hot takes tonight. We can move on. I love that you just said that though. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> I love that. Okay, 
So Emma consents to the surgery to remove the testicle. I'm sorry. I'm still like dying right now. <laughs> and Natalie gets all Natalie about it because yeah. yeah, Emma's like, yeah, that's fine. And Natalie's like, no, wrong answer. It's only like Natalie only gets all Natalie when it's an answer that she doesn't agree with. Yep. Yep. Which is always, because this is television, it's always something she doesn't agree with. Yeah. I really like it to, like, I really just want one time, like, Natalie's problems to go exactly the way Natalie wants them to go, just so I can see how she reacts. She'd find something to bitch about. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm curious if she does find something to bitch about, or, like, if she's just Natalie. I mean, you know, she just she's happy because it goes the way she wants to. And, like, maybe her issues that week could be something personal, so, like, the drama would still be there. But, like, if medically-wise, everything goes the way she wants it to. Also, do you notice how she's that mom who, like, now that she's had one kid, she's, like, the all-knowing parenting god, according to her? She probably reads parenting blogs. Like, that's all she does. Oh, probably. But she's she's that mom. She's totally a mommy shamer. Yeah. Probably. she totally is. Yeah. Oh. So bad. So, somewhere in here... Will decides to be a decent person and they're standing in close proximity at one of the stations and Will's like, are you okay? He's just checking on her. Like he's being, you know, the ex-boyfriend. He's just being a good guy. And so he throws a bone and Natalie, you know, he gives an inch. So Natalie takes a mile. Natalie's like, let me tell you all about my no good, very bad, horrible day. (laughs) And so she tells him all about it and she's like, this is going on and she's got testicles and blah, blah, blah. And this is crazy. And the mom just consented to this, but it's totally coerced. And Will just like glazes over. And I guess this is the benefit of them not being together now is that Will doesn't have to listen as intently. <laughs> so Will just stands there and goes, sorry, Nat. <laughs> like, yeah, he just says it. And then he's like, you'll figure it out. OK, bye. Um, Literally, he's like, you'll figure it out. Boom. And just, like, beelines in the opposite direction. Yeah. It was, yeah. Are you starting to see now why I think Will is better off without her? I mean, I definitely have always seen what you see. But, like, I mean, I still think part of me, like, I really enjoyed them when they were good. I just think they probably have even more communication issues to work out than Dossie. Yeah. And I think Dossie has a lot of issues to work out. So that's saying a lot. But yeah, I mean, I def- I definitely can understand your point, and I definitely think, although we'll bring this up when we get to it in a second, because I there was some there was a hot take on the timeline. I don't remember who said it last night, but there was a hot take that I texted you, and I was like, wait, what? I do not agree with um, that. My phone's in the other room. Oh, I, I have my, I have my, I got it, I got it. I know exactly okay. what I said. Continue. So. Yeah, so Will just, like, beelines out of there. Like, same Will. But honestly, though, it was honestly, like, the most civil Manstead scene we've gotten in weeks, which was, like, kind of a nice change of pace. Yeah, because Will paid attention to Natalie, and so Natalie was like, oh, yay, let's talk about me. Yeah. So the little girl starts throwing up, and they're forced to act. And so the mom makes a comment about, you know, her little girl. And so as they're prepping this girl to take her to surgery, like Natalie's like mobilizing and stuff, Natalie manages to give her one of these, like, I'm an all-knowing parenting God speeches in this, like the five seconds it takes to get this little girl out of the room. And so Natalie's like, you know, she'll always be your child regardless of her gender. She'll always be the same kid who loves chocolate sundaes and hates ballet. And that's the exciting thing about being a mom is letting the kids see your personality, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, this kid is older than Owen. So clearly this mom has more experience than Natalie does. But it's almost alarming how quickly and how efficiently Natalie can get on and off of her soapbox. Kind of. Like... She just has that thing in her pocket and, like, whips it out when she needs to. It's a collapsible soapbox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's bad. And somehow in these five seconds, the mom is like, oh, my God, Natalie's an all-knowing parenting god. <laughs> like, I will do whatever she says. And so the mom is like, yeah, so don't take don't take the testicles out. So Natalie finds Will in the doctor's lounge and basically is like – Thanks for before. And Will's like, I didn't do anything. And she's like, exactly. You just listened, which is a totally foreign concept to somebody who's like supremely wrapped up in herself. Yeah, I was I'm like, OK, I was, like at this point, I was like, OK, I'm digging this. This is progress. Like, let's keep going on. No, no. 
Oh, no, this wasn't progress. This was Natalie being like, thank you for letting me talk about me. In the moment, though. In the moment, like, before the last shit happens, I was like, oh, dear Lord. Oh, my God. It's so bad. And so, you know, Natalie is like, Natalie's happy that Will is starting to remember that Manstead is all about the man and not about the stead. It's all about her. And so Natalie decides to ask Will to dinner. It's it's Manstead. Not Manstead. Manstead. (laughs) I don't even know why that Okay, keep going. It's all Natalie all the time. Keep going. Just Nat TV. (laughs) I can keep going. (laughs) Oh my god. It's like CNN, except that instead of 24 hours news, it's 24 hour Natalie. (laughs) I was just going to make a comment about. (laughs) Nat. I was going to make a comment about 24 hour news. Um,. I feel like people who listen to this, if they don't haven't just like been listening for forever, I feel like they probably think we hate Natalie, which we kind of do, but we love Tori. Oh my God, we love Tori so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kicker: is that she's the sweetest thing. She's so nice and down to earth. But we, oh, Natalie. we're really annoyed with Natalie this season. Oh my God, I feel like I'm more annoyed with Natalie right now than I was with Connor a couple weeks ago. Oh, you definitely are. Yeah, you definitely just. are. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm going to say Manstead like that from now on. I'm just going to be like, Manstead. Manstead. <laughs> like, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. So Natalie asks him out to dinner. And so they're at dinner. They're at this like fancy schmancy place, apparently. I don't know. Will comes in looking dapper as hell, by the way. He looks damn good. And Ed Sheeran can clean up. We'll just put it that way. Ed Sheeran, oh well. So the first thing out of Will's mouth, because Will is trying to be a stand-up guy here, Will sits down, the first thing out of his mouth is what happened with Dr. Frisch. And they didn't sleep together. They didn't sleep together. It was, yeah, it was, quote-unquote, the best, like, the best phrasing that Will has ever used. It was high school stuff. Literally, whoever wrote that line of dialogue knows that character so well. Like, that is, like, the most perfect line of dialogue crafted ever. It's just so perfect for Will. Like, Will, please never change. Don't ever change. God. <laughs> like, at this moment, and, I was just like, well, at least he didn't sleep with her. Like, uh, okay. Yeah. And so they only kissed and then he fell asleep on her couch. Now, exactly what he says here. He's like, I was thinking of you and I put the brakes on it. So the first thing Natalie says is like, were you thinking of me when you went home with her? He just said that. Like... So Natalie goes from zero to Natalie in record speed and she storms out and leaves poor Will just sitting there looking dapper as hell. And yeah. Yeah. But okay. But Gina, you're missing like, so the line, the like crucial line here is so Natalie's like, when I asked for a break, it was never about wanting anyone else. And then Will's like, I don't want anyone else. Well, of course it wasn't about wanting anyone else. The only person Natalie wants is herself. Yeah. Also, just, like, the fact that everyone was on the same page and, like, everybody was using the Friends gif at that moment was, like, the best thing ever. I wanted to rewatch that episode today, but I didn't have time. God, I, oh, that's such a good idea. But I think I actually like the med version of We Were on a Break better than the Friends version. Like, if the Friends Friends is not as fresh in my mind. No, but, like, the Friends version, it just gets so, and I think maybe just because it's something that's literally referenced, like, over and over and over again throughout the, like, however I forget that's in season two or three and then obviously friends is 10 seasons but this one I was like like I didn't find it and maybe it's because he didn't actually sleep with her and in friends he does Ross does and so it's like an actual is it cheating is it not cheating like this this is just high school stuff so (laughs) (laughs) how long were Ross and Rachel on a break for not that long like, about, like, like a, probably about the same time as Will and Nat. Maybe even less. I See, and I want to say that I'm okay with this, but I also am, like, if I wasn't on Will's side right now, would I still be okay with it? I... I mean, I don't think anyone's ever okay with it. Right. Like, I don't think anyone ever condones, especially, like, 
the wording that Natalie used last week, like, it is clear they are not broken up. Like, they're not... Is it, though? Because remember the last time that a couple was, like, on a break on the in the Chicago universe? Yes, I do. But that was... That was the little... Like, this, at least, Natalie clearly says, I want to, like, I we need a break. Like, we are on yeah, a at break. At least nobody was secretly married this time. Okay, Tina, stop. <laughs> <laughs> not tonight. <laughs> We're not going there tonight. <laughs> but, no, I think, I think the wording Natalie used last week, I mean... It still could be ambiguous, but it's definitely more, like, clear that they are on a break and not a breakup and, like, what the fuck is happening. At least Natalie used words. There were no words with Jay and Aaron, but that's a whole different thing. But it was a break with no input from Will. Will had no say in the matter. Natalie was just like, fuck you, I'm out. Right, but I still don't – either way, I still don't think that's a breakup. I think that's a break. No, I would consider it a break as well, but, I mean – it's, I'm just not okay with the way that she's treating Will. And I know that I said that in the last episode, but it's just, you know, if Will were to consider this a breakup, I wouldn't fault him. Because Natalie essentially just, like, dropped him. Like a hotcake. Yeah. she. I mean, she did. But then last week... The reason I don't think Will would ever consider it anything more than a break is just because last week how he literally was trying to talk to her the whole time and that is like dude, I can't be in the same space as you right now. Which, again, I don't, I don't agree with, but, like, ne- Will definitely is invested still. No, there's no doubt. He's, I mean, and it's a How I Met Your Mother reference, like, that I think of. I know you haven't seen that show, but Will is on her hook. He's always going to be on her hook. And, you know, it's, like, Maggie and Barry. Like, she will always be on Barry's hook, no matter what, you know. Yeah. No matter how things get, he's always going to love her. Maggie's always going to love Barry. And so, you know, if Natalie calls, Will's going to come running. Yeah. I just think Will deserves to be treated a lot better than he's being treated right now. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. It's just such a tough situation. No, it totally is. Yeah. But that is... I don't know what's going to fix them. I don't... I don't either. Nothing. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. The last time Natalie went on a sabbatical, it seemed to have fixed her, so. But Will isn't the one that needs to go on a sabbatical again. Natalie no, is. No, maybe, maybe Natalie can retreat to, like, the island of soapboxes and get her ass together. Maybe. I don't know. So the last bit we have to talk about is April and Noah. And we've grouped Sarah in here as well because the Sarah stuff's not as prominent. But, Brenda, do you want to take us through this? Yeah. So Sarah's father gets brought to the ED and he's in the middle of a heart attack and basically he's going to be at med until a heart becomes available. Um, And that's like the first and only really thing about Sarah. And he keeps, he like, Sarah's father keeps asking to see Sarah and Rhodes is like, you know, I'll go check and see if she's here. But like Sarah saw him, like she just doesn't want to talk to him. You know that there's a section of the fandom that ships Connor and Sarah? Yes, I did know that. I still don't see it. What do you think? I don't see it. Yeah, I'm like, hmm, hmm. I don't see it. Go on. Anyway, so April and Noah have this patient, Henry Lee, and he's a man with advanced lung cancer. And April's known him for a while because, you know, he's just one of those regulars in the ED. And Noah ends up, you know, looks at him and recommends treatment, but Henry refuses just because, you know, he's tired of tubes and procedures and, you know, just wants to die in peace. But could we not have staggered the patients who want to die, like, throughout the season? Like, it's like a rush on them all of a sudden. The past, like, six episodes, patients come in and they're like, mm, I want to die. Yeah, like, true. We couldn't have staggered this throughout the season? That's what you get for a shortened season, Gina. They're all coming in at once. They're all coming in at once. There's a rush on it. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so Reese comes to talk to him. You know, they, you know, somebody's got to get him through this, you know. So Reese comes and talks to him, and she's like, you know, now's a good time to talk about how he feels and if he wants to come to terms with any regrets. So Henry starts telling Sarah and April about his son. You know, they were close growing up and then distance over the years until they finally stopped speaking after, you know, his mother passed. Or her, his son's mother passed. And so April tells Henry, you know, that they'll find him. And she has a soft spot for him. Like I said, she, he's been coming in the ED for years. So she's got a soft spot for him. And Sarah talks to her outside and it's like, 
you know, are we overpromising? But April's like, you know, I'm not going to let him die alone. So then Maggie ends up locating him as Henry gets worse, but it's kind of clear that he's not going to come. Like, he doesn't give two fucks. Um, so April's heartbroken, and she realizes that she has to go tell Henry this, but Noah offers to go with her. And But before she can pretend, like, she can tell him that his son isn't coming, Henry starts thinking that Noah is his son, and Noah just goes along with it and pretends to be him, and it's, like, the most moving scene. Such a sweet moment. Possibly my favorite Noah Sexton moment to date. I think it's my favorite Noah Sexton moment to date. Noah's such a good brother and such a good attentive doctor. Roland killed it last night. He did, for sure. Broke my heart when he, like, pretended to be the son. Oh, my God. Yeah, Roland, if you're listening, you killed this. Yes. It's so good. Um... But yeah, so it just kind of ends, you know, throughout, while this, the whole episode had been going on, Noah checked in on Sarah and she was still kind of like pushing him away or whatever. But after the end and after she witnesses what Noah did, you know, she goes up to him and she's like, you know, I still don't want to talk about it, but I really appreciate that you're kind and, you know, that you're checking on me. And it's just like, finally a good Noah and Sarah moment because we haven't had one in a while. What? I'm curious at this point. Because, I mean, you know, when we spoke to Roland at the Chicago Heroes event, he described this as a marathon. And it's kind of developing into, like, the longest marathon in history. So are you are you still wanting to see them as a ship or just a friendship? Like, what are you wanting to see from Sarah and Noah at this point? Well, I think that was a really big payoff. Because I think it up until this point, there was just, like, no acknowledgement from Sarah. And I think it was hard to tell whether they were even still friends. Like, was Noah just kind of making all of it up? Was it romantic? Whatever. And so at least this was some kind of payoff. And, like, they're clearly friends. She clearly does care. She does see what Noah's doing. And she sees that he cares. And she appreciates that. So at least in that way, it's payoff. I don't know. I just really want Noah. It's like the Royce, although not as bad as Atwater. But, like, I just want Noah. Like, Noah just deserves a good girl. Like, so yeah. whether it's Sarah or somebody else, like, that's what I want to see. Um, but, yeah. I wonder what's going to happen when her dad finally passes. And we have no intel on this, like, big giant disclaimer. We don't know a thing about what's going to happen. That's just, I think that's where they're going to head is that Sarah's father is going to die. Uh, probably. But I wonder, yeah, probably. But I wonder how she'll react to that. And I wonder if maybe that'll kind of not push her to Noah, but make her, you know, open up a little bit more. I think the other, so there's two things off of this. So one, I think the thing that's hard about Noah and Sarah is as of right now, Roland is still not a series regular, which we were talking about today kind of blows our mind. Like, I still can't believe he's not a series regular. Um, And I think that plays a part in it just because, you know, he's not around all the time, although he is around a lot. So I feel like they should just go ahead and make him a series regular, but he's not technically. So like, I think that makes it a little bit harder with making him have a relationship like a romantic relationship um something that's not the familial relationship with april so i think that's hard but then also the thing in terms of like when you were asking me about noah and sarah i'm so indifferent on sarah like i was really feeling her earlier this season like when she was going through all her shit and i was like there i was like i'm into this but like now that she's not going through that which is kind of horrible to say that now that she's not going through her shit I'm still indifferent about her. I was indifferent about her for seasons one and two. Like, I really didn't care. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of hard on why I'm not sure if I really still am shipping Noah or Sarah. But I'm not against it if they go there. Like, I think it's cute. See, and I don't really feel the way about Sarah that most people who I have interacted with feel. Because, I mean, we all know I watch, like, my mom, my mom watches the shows with me because she's the best. But, um, you know, she's got opinions. My mom has a hot take. She doesn't like Burgess, but that's a whole other conversation Whoa. for another time. I know. Whole other Whoa. conversation for another time. But, uh, you know, she she said something about Reese last night, and she was like, I'm not really a big fan. Like, she's kind of weird. But, like, I like her. I, got, I, I kind of see a little bit of myself in her because, you know, she is young, and she's in this big profession, right? So when I first got into my profession, I was early 20s. I was a baby. And all you do at that point of the game is you literally just stand there and soak everything up like a sponge. You don't make a peep. You show no, no attention, like no emotion, nothing. You just stand there and soak everything up. And so I guess I kind of understand why she is the way she is and, you know, why she's kind of guarded and doesn't really show emotion much. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I just, like I said, she's, in terms of med, she's never been my favorite character. I'm just kind of, like, indifferent on her. So I think that also plays in a role into how I feel about things. It's true, but maybe she'll, I mean, maybe she'll kind of be like Brett and come out of her shell. But see, I liked Brett from the beginning. Yeah. But, I don't know. We'll see. I also liked seeing Sarah and April work together this week. We don't see that very often. No, that's a different pair. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that, that is it good. for Med this week. Indeed. Short and sweet. Yeah. Ish. Well, the news didn't take <laughs> up like half an hour. No, but it's still pretty substantial. It took like 10 minutes. No, but I mean, I, I mean in, in terms of like gravity. No, I was just talking about it in length in the podcast. Like normally news, just because we have so much, takes like 30 minutes. Yeah, so... All right. Well, yeah, that's about all we've got. I really like this episode, you? Yeah, this was, I mean, especially considering neither one of us really, well, you hated it more than I did, but neither one of us was the biggest fan last week. But this was, like I said, the acting was incredible from everybody. Um, So good. Yeah, I really like this week's. It was really good. So as always, you know where to find us. We're all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. We are Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. You can email us at meetusatmollys at gmail.com. Um, guys, our email is a safe space always. Anything you want to talk about ever is totally a game. You can just send us an email about anything. It doesn't even have to be about one Chicago. So yeah, our emails are open. We have a website. It's meetusatmollys at no, meetusatmollys.com. I only said at gmail.com. <laughs> no, it is not it's at gmail. meetusatmollys.com. Yes. There. But yes, you can send us emails, get in touch with us however you would like. If you like the show, which we really hope you do, and we would like to think that you do if you've made it to the end of this episode, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody you know, tell the random person on the street who you think might like the Chicago shows. I don't know. But yeah, if you could rate us and review us, that would be amazing. Um, We will be back on Friday to talk about PD. In the meantime, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at BrynaK13. And Ashley is at Ashnick095. That's N-I-C, no K. And with that said, we will see you guys on Friday. Bye.